That's what it means to be holy and beloved by God. That we as Christians can say that we have experienced the steadfast love of God towards us. That even though we didn't deserve his love, he gave it because he's just that good. We put on the new self because it's who we are as God's chosen people, holy and beloved by him. Notice, we don't become holy and beloved by putting these things on. We put them on because we're holy and beloved. The heretics in the church were trying to say, you must do first and then become. Not in God's kingdom. In his way. We are holy and beloved and because of those things, because of our new identity as God's chosen ones, we can honor him and put on the new self. So what is the new self? What are the behaviors that mark God's chosen ones? I'm glad you asked. He says them here for us in verse 12. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What does it mean to have a compassionate heart? It means to be tender towards those who are suffering and struggling. It's used throughout the New Testament in reference to the mercy that God shows us. So because we've received God's mercy, because we've received his tenderness, his compassion towards us, guess what we show to each other? Or at least we should. Compassion, tenderness. Isn't it nice when someone is compassionate towards you in the midst of your struggle and suffering? Isn't it nice when someone comes and shows mercy? We as God's people, as his chosen ones, are called every day to put on compassionate hearts. You're going to have to try to do that. You're going to have to work to do that. Kindness. What is kindness? It's a sweet disposition. Kindness is a mellowing of what used to be harsh and heavy-handed and severe. Ooh. Church could use a little kindness. A little less harsh. Heavy-handed. Why is that? Why do we display that to each other? Because we've been displayed that by God. Was he harsh and heavy-handed in bringing redemption to us? No. He was kind. He was sweet to us. So we show that to each other, or at least we should. All right, y'all get ready. Humility. Humility. What is humility? Well, kind of. That, I, I would say that's actually more like patience, what we're going to get to in just a second. Humility is a right esteeming of yourself. It's realizing you're not God's gift to fill in the blank. Is that the easiest way to put it? It's to, it's to have a right view of yourself and a right view of yourself in relation to God. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes we don't put on the new self. Instead, we walk around with haughty hearts instead of hum humble ones. And instead of showing humility to people, we show arrogance and pride. So what, is, what does it mean to be part of it? What, what, what is the new self? Well, the new self is marked by humility. So it's a true estimate of ourselves. It's to esteem ourselves small and others greater than ourselves. You're going to have to work to do that because that's not natural. You don't always want to do that. 
I like to think the world revolves around me. That's why y'all need to get out of my way when I'm driving on the road, because it revolves around me. It's not about you. It's about me. Need some humility, right? Need some humility. Okay. All right. Number four. What does the new self look like? What's the behavior of God's people? Meekness. What is meekness? Means to be gentle. Oh, there's nothing better than when Christians respond to you with gentleness. And then number five, patience. I wasn't pointing at you because you need it. I was just, I'm going back to what you said earlier. But Michael, you need patience. No, I'm just kidding. What is patience? Patience is a restraint from seeking after revenge or vengeance. It is to restrain yourself and trust God that he will set things right. This is what God's people are supposed to look like. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And need I remind us this morning that all of these were perfectly displayed through us to us through Jesus. That's why it's only through him that we can display these things. It's because Jesus was perfectly compassionate. He looks out on the people and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. Jesus was kind. Even to those who were seeking to take his own life, he's praying for them. Humility. We're told by Paul that Jesus took the form of a servant and was humble even to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus was gentle. When they came to arrest him and Peter raises the sword to start lopping off some heads, Jesus is the one who shows gentleness. And oh, did he show patience to walk around with these 12 jokers for three to three and a half years, to watch them mess it up over and over and to have to say the same thing. If you've got to repeat something to somebody more than once, it drives you crazy. What patience Jesus displayed. What restraint he showed. All of these were perfectly displayed to us through Jesus, and it's through him that we're able to display the same thing. Richard Chin states in his book, Captivated by Christ, when he's talking about putting on the new self, he says, it's another way of saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It can only be done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The only way you can walk in righteousness to glorify God is if you're in Jesus, if you're in union with him, if you are saved by him, if you've been redeemed by him. That's the only way you can do it. You can fake your way through it on your own, but you can never truly walk in righteousness if you're not in Christ. Thank you, Michael. So everybody in the room, you need to trust in Jesus. You have to. There is no other way to be rescued from sin and no other way to please God in the way that you live. We must have him. So that's what the, we've got to put on the new self, but number two, not only are we putting on the new self, but you've got to ask yourself, what's it look like to display the new self? How do you display this new self? 
that you are? How do you put these things on? How, how do you know whether you're walking in these things? Well, notice verse 13 and 14. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You notice something? Walking in the new self requires what? True. Where do you do this walking? Where do you put this new self on? Well, you don't just do it at home and then take it off when you go into public and live however you want. You don't just put it on at home and then take it off when you get to the doors of the church. In fact, he says the way you display this new behavior, the way you display the new self is you're going to have to be around one another. Because notice he says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. There's others involved. See, living the Christian life would be easy if you could just live by yourself in a cabin in the woods. But you have to be around people. And they, what am I supposed to show? Compassionate hearts. That's easy unless I got to deal with y'all. Right? I can be compassionate all day long as long as y'all don't get my business. Kindness. I can be really kind when it's just me. I like me. Me and me get along. But when y'all show up, hmm, I got a mellow. I can't be as heavy-handed. I know you're saying the same thing about me. You're saying, Jesus, you too. I said, I know. You got to put up with me too. Humility. How else am I going to esteem myself properly and esteem myself small and lower than the rest of you if I'm never around you? Because then it's just all about me. Meekness, how am I going to exercise gentleness if I never have to go up against somebody who might be harsh? Someone who don't believe like I do. Someone who gets on my nerves. Oh, and do we need to talk about number five? Patience. Listen, I'm really patient with me. I give myself all the time in the world I need. I bear with me really, really well. But when it comes to y'all, now I gotta, gotta show some restraint. Gotta be patient. And I know you're looking at me going, you got that right, bud. <laughs> y'all have had to do a lot of patience with me, haven't you? But you got to, still are. But that's how you live this out. You can't do these things by yourself. God intends for you to live out this new identity around others. And what I say specifically around the church with fellow Christians. We show these to one another. Sure, we want to show it to our community as well. But there's something about the one another's here that we gather together. Remember, Paul's writing to the church how they're to respond to each other. And so if we're going to display the new self, first it must be done in community. The Christian life is meant to be lived in constant community with other believers, and we can't display the new life in isolation. We just can't. And second, it's got to be done consistently, not only in community, but in consistency. He says, bearing with one another. Just, I need to remind you, in the original language, this means you're going to have to keep on doing this thing. 
So you're going to have to keep, it's not just a one time, okay, I, bear, I, I was bearing with somebody, that was it, I'm done. No, we bear with one another constantly. It means to endure. It means to put up with. Folks, this could be the most apt description of church life. We putting up with each other. Constantly. We are constantly bearing with one another. And guess what that's going to require? Compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. That's what it's going to take for us to bear with each other. Because we're going to drive each other nuts. It's going to happen. So we bear with one another constantly. Enduring with one another. You know what that means? We don't run when it gets tough. We don't run. We bear with each other. We fight together. And we show this new life, this new self through the way that we bear with one another. Number two, we're told to forgive one another. And that means constantly because we're going to constantly need to be forgiven. Listen, we're going we're to make people mad. We don't even realize we made mad. We're, we're going to get people frustrated. We didn't even mean to get frustrated. There's going to be people we tick off. We don't even mean to tick off. We didn't know we did it. There's going to be a lot of forgiving going on. A lot of forgiving. What does forgiveness mean? Not making them pay for what they did. Folks, if that ain't church, I don't know what is. A lot of not making people pay for what they did to us. So instead of running, we bear with one another. Instead of running, we forgive one another. Instead of holding grudges and being bitter, we continue to bear and to forgive. And by the way, while we're bearing and forgiving with others, guess what happened to do with us? This ain't a one-way street, is it? They're going to have to be doing that for us too. And need I remind you, the only way we can do this, the only way we can forgive one another is it's going to require compassion and kindness and meekness and patience and humility and all those things. So we're told to forgive one another and we're told that the basis for that is the forgiveness we got from Jesus. You think it's hard to forgive other people who have wronged you? Jesus forgave us of our cosmic treason against him. How could we not show it to each other? Again, the only way you can bear with one another and forgive one another is if you're in Jesus. You have to be in Christ. You must trust in him. And the new life in Christ culminates in this. Notice what he says in verse 14. And above all these, put on love. So it culminates in love, which swallows up all the other things we've been talking about. Everything flows from that. It's the basis for bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Love is the basis for that. And the grace of love believers show to one another binds, he says, and unites all things together. F.F. F. Bruce, a theologian, said, love is the grace that binds all these other graces together. If you're going to show compassion, if you're going to show kindness and meekness and patience and humility, if you're going to bear with one another, and if you're going to forgive one another, it's going to have to be because love is the motivation and the basis for all you do as a Christian. Kent Hughes, another theologian, shares that each of these graces are presented as separate garments that believers put on every day. And he says love is like the belt that ties them. He says it's possible to show the first five. You can show compassion and, and gentleness and, and, and humility. And you can do those sometimes even without love. But it is impossible to have love and not show those other five. You can't be loving and not show gentleness and humility and compassion and patience. 
So love binds everything. I know I'm sounding like a hippie from the 60s. Love binds everything together. But it's, it's not just general love. It's the love we've experienced from God. It's the love we found in Jesus. The love that has so overwhelmed us that we can't help but live out that love for each other. You with me? Got to be in Jesus to do this. You can't do it if you're not in Christ. You can fake it for a bit. But you can never honor and glorify and walk in the new self apart from being in Christ. And then quickly he says in verse 15, another command. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So this second command that we get in these verses begins a section that really does emphasize thankfulness. So tie in bearing with one another, forgiving one another, love, and thankfulness. This is all part of what it means to be a Christian. This is what the new self looks like. And Paul calls on believers in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Paul calls on believers to let the peace of Christ rule. And again, that's a constant, a continuous thing you're going to have to fight for, that the, that the peace of Christ would rule in your hearts. Well, what is the peace of Christ? Well, number one, it's the peace that he brings us, between us and God, we used to be hostile towards him in our sin. We were enemies of God, but because of what Jesus has done and pays for our sin, we can actually have peace with God and be forgiven. But it's not only that, because there's a peace that accompanies us every single day. The peace of Christ isn't just a one-time thing. If we're told that the peace of Christ needs to rule in our hearts every single day, then it must be some source of peace that we have every single day. And it is, it's his presence with us. Christ is with us through his spirit's work. We know the peace of God that we can actually display to one another. And we're told this peace is to rule or govern our hearts. It is, one, one, one commentator noted, it's like uh, the, the umpire of your heart. It's the decider in how you live. That the peace of Christ is meant to be the dictator of how you respond and live every single day. It's to react not as adversaries, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. The way we display the new self and bearing with one another, forgiving and loving one another, is to understand and to have the, the peace of Christ rule or reign in your heart every single day. You are motivated by the peace you have experienced between you and God through Christ and his presence in your daily life. And truly, to let the, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, he says, is to be thankful. Because he says at the end of that, just tacked on at the very end, and be thankful. So the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts is connected to thankfulness to God. Which, by the way, the word thankful is a... Present tense, every single day, got to do it. <laughs> every day we're thankful. Now there's putting on the new self. That ain't easy. You got to get up every morning and go, okay, going to be thankful today. Going to be thankful to God, even though I got all this stuff coming at me and I know what's happening. I'm going to be thankful. And that thankfulness to God oozes into how we live and, and breathe every single day. Then he says in verse 16, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So not only the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts, but now the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. He says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the fourth command we get is also a continuous daily pursuit, and it's certainly connected to the peace of Christ reigning in our hearts. Connected to that peace is also the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. So how do we let the word of Christ dwell in us or inhabit us? Well, he says, teaching and admonishing and singing. So teaching means to be instructed in the truth of God, in his wisdom. It means we read this so that the word of Christ might dwell in us richly, motivated by the peace of Christ which reigns in our hearts, forbearing with each other and forgiving one another and loving one another and displaying all the five things we saw in verse 12. So we're taught by the word of God. We, we find wisdom there. And this teaching and instruction is how we admonish each other because the word admonish means to warn. Well, how do we warn each other? Well, we warn each other by the truth of God that we've been instructed in and we help each other to walk wisely according to God's standard and his character. That's what we do for each other. We, the, the word of Christ dwells in us richly as not only are we instructed, but then we, we turn that instruction around and we help each other to walk in the truth. Which, by the way, is also tied to worship. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we worship gratefully in spirit, in spirit and in truth. Notice what he says singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God. Singing is part of how the word of Christ dwells in us richly. We're not just up here doing tunes. We're not just up here singing just because we got to. It's part of the service. We do it because that's the word of Christ dwelling in us richly as we are instructed in it, as we warn each other by it, and as we sing it together. All right, so psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. All right, um... Psalms are usually songs that were based on the Old Testament scriptures, usually centered around the deliverance and mercy that God brings. Hymns were songs that proclaimed the greatness of God, giving him glory. And then spiritual songs are every other bit of music and song that ever gives God glory. And we're supposed to be doing all of them. Which means when those new, those new worship songs come out, it's okay to sing them if they point to Jesus. And I, I ain't saying you got to like them. But you should be happy that there are new songs that make God great and look glorious. We should be thankful for music that points to the sufficiency of Christ and how great he is. But it also means we should be thankful for those that had come before too as long as they point to Jesus. Because I remind you that when Colossians was written, a lot of the songs we sing today, they didn't sing back then. They'd be newfangled songs to Paul. Right? It'd be them new songs. But guess what? If they point to Jesus, if they glorify God, we should be grateful. We should be thankful and sing them together for the glory of God. And by the way, this is contrary. All of what he's saying is contrary to a dead orthopraxy, which is basically just right living, right, right behavior. 
We're not just talking about doing the right thing. We're not just talking about living rightly. Because if we're living rightly, but it's not because we're thankful and worshipful to God, then it doesn't matter. This is talking about, as believers, we don't just do what God commands in the absence of some loving affection and thankfulness towards Him. But instead, from a worshipful great gratefulness for who God is and what He has done to rescue us, it flows into new life that is displayed daily in godly character, marked by a bearing with one another, forgiving one another, loving fellow worshipers of God. It's to extend to our fellow Christians that, in that which we have already personally experienced and received from our God. To do this means to actually worship God in spirit and in truth that flows into a love for each other. And the word of Christ dwells in us richly as we read and speak and sing the word of God into each other's lives. And we should, as Christians, want the truth to infiltrate every area. If we're sinning, we should want the Lord to expose that to us by his word, by his peace, by his presence. Help us to put to death the things that are earthly in us and to put on that which reflects his character. We should want that as believers, not fear it. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then finally, just in case you didn't buy those other ones, what does he say lastly? Another, the final command in this set of verses, Paul calls on Christians in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul calls on Christians. If you're a Christian today, here's what he's asking you. Here's what he's telling you. Paul calls on Christians to do everything, whether word or deed, out of worship of God. Now, that command assumes that something should be happening but may not be happening. The way that command is given, do everything, assumes you should be doing that, but there may be people who aren't. Uh, in the room today, it's possible some of us in the room may not be doing everything to the glory of God, may not be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, but we should be. So here is Paul's command. If you're not doing it now, start now. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? <laughs> Eat Doritos to the... Hey, easy, 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 easy. It's not in the Bible. What does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? Well, notice it's tied to thankfulness. To do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus is to give thanks and do everything out of thankfulness to God. And it also, what does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? What does the name mean? What is that pointing to when God refers to the name? Well, the name was basically another word for the character of or reputation of. So to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus means to do everything in the reputation or character of Jesus. Now think about that. That's why we need to put on compassionate hearts because naturally we don't do that. But in Jesus, guess what we can do? We can do everything reflecting his character why he's in us he's changed us we're his people we're new creations because we're in union with christ we can do these things and we need and should do everything in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. So here's, our, here's my question. Do our lives reflect the character of Jesus? Do we look like him? Now, we're not going to be able to do this perfectly, right? We're not going to be able to do this perfectly. We're going to fail at this often. But is that our pursuit? Is our pursuit every day to put off the things that don't reflect Jesus and put on the things that do? To live out the character of Christ. Certainly, this is a long, slow process that will never be perfectly accomplished in this life. But we can and should walk every day in thankfulness to God, putting on the new self that has been purchased for us by Christ. That's why his resurrection matters. Because he's been raised, so too have we been raised into new life. And so too will we ultimately one day be raised and given resurrection bodies that can live in perfect submission to him forever. So we should walk every day in this new identity we have in him. And when we fall, we seek the forgiveness of God. We put to death the old self. We put on the new. We daily strive to reflect Jesus. When you blow it, confess it, seek God's forgiveness, and keep going. Put on the new self. Don't wait. We daily strive to reflect Jesus in our community, but also particularly in the church. We live as the children of God we are. So put off the old and put on the new that Jesus has made you to be. And those in the room who are trying to be their own saviors, those of you in the room who don't believe in Jesus, you cannot, you cannot ultimately glorify God. You ultimately cannot please him. You need Jesus. Apart from Christ, even all the good things we do are nothing but filthy rags. Apart from a love for Jesus that's given to us as his chosen ones, we cannot honor him and walk in a way that glorifies him. So this morning, what you need is not to try and clean up your life, not try to look better or act right, what you need this morning is you need to turn to Jesus, confess your sin, find forgiveness that he loves to give, and walk in newness of life that only he can provide. Stop trying to earn your way to him and trust in the finished work of his life, death, and resurrection. This morning, you need to behold Christ and to love him supremely. So Christians, we get up every day putting off and putting on the new, walking and living amongst each other, showing and bearing with one another, forgiving, loving one another, and doing everything out of a thankfulness and a worship of God that oozes into every single area of our lives. And we do it all so that Jesus might receive praise and glory and honor forever. We do it all so that people will see it's not us who are great. It's our King who's died for us. This morning... Turn your eyes to Christ. If it's for the first time, you need to trust in him alone. And for Christians in the room, let us be busy every day living the new creations that we've been made to be. To put off sin and to put to death sin and to put on the new self that glorifies and loves God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. 
Lord, I thank you this morning for the truth of your word that, God, we can please you through Christ. That in Jesus, we can walk in a way that glorifies you. God, we can walk in righteousness. And we're so grateful for that, God. Because apart from you, we'd be left with nothing but sin and death. And so, God, I give you praise this morning. I give you praise for just how good you've been to us and the grace you've shown us. And, Father, I pray this morning that if there's anybody in this room who thinks religiosity will save them, that being good or doing spiritual things will rescue them, God, would you show them clearly this morning that nothing we can do of our own hands can pay for our sin. Only Jesus can. Father, would you give them a a distaste and a hatred for sin, and God, would you draw them to yourself that they might throw down and confess their sin before you and seek your forgiveness. And God, may they know that when people come and seek your forgiveness, God, you forgive, and you're so gracious to do so. So, Father, would you ransom souls this morning on this Mother's Day? God, would you rescue people from the depths of their sin? Would you set free the captives? Would you unchain, unshackle the prisoners? God, would you give sight to the blind? Would you do it all so that you might receive glory? And, Father, for us in the room who are Christians, who are in Jesus, who are trusting in him as our only penalty for sin, Father, would you help us every day to fight against sin and to put on the new self. God, that because you've made us new creations, we can walk in that newness. God, help us every day to make that our constant fight. That we love you that much, God, that we would war against sin and walk intentionally to reflect Jesus. Father, would you help us to do that? Where we have fallen, where we have sinned, God, would you forgive us once again through the blood of Christ? But Lord, would you help us to see that because we're in Jesus, we can honor you. And may we make it our task every single day to walk in the new identity we have in him. Lord Jesus, I want you to have your way. Have your way not only in my life, but in the lives of these people. Father, would you change us? Would you mold us, shape us to look more like your son? And Father, we long for the day when one day, All of sin will be cast away and we'll dwell with you forever. Your perfect presence, your perfect peace, your perfect righteousness. God, we will dwell with you and sing your praises forevermore. May we practice today what we long for. God, you and you alone, would you get glory from how you work in our hearts today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.